Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. My son is already, he, he is almost a full man at age 14. And how do I know this? <laughs> Because I called him yesterday afternoon to say hello and see how he's, how he's doing. Uh-huh. And he doesn't pick up, but he texted me back a two-word text. I'm shitting. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, good for him for not picking up under those circumstances. Yep. Uh, yep. Nobody nobody wants to be on the smell of <laughs> uh, But, uh, yeah, that is that is the sign of manhood. Yeah. And he didn't call me back also, which further you know indicates that he's ready to become a man. You said he didn't call you. Did not. No, he right. did not. Yeah, a text a text does it. Look, <laughs> right. yeah, why I'm why, why talk to someone <laughs> if you can send them two words and be done with it? Right. <laughs> Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on the show, we'll discuss the DraftKings Points Bet Fanatics Love Triangle, cover the latest developments in the NFL trying to explain its betting rules to its players, and welcome our seventh iCasino state. Uh, plus, Jeff will have his last opportunity to hedge against his hedges on his NBA draft bets. And we're also going to be welcoming Roto-Grinders' Grand Poobah. I mean, all right, technically he's a senior VP, but Grand Poobah sounds a lot cooler. Uh, Dan Bach to the show about that aforementioned love triangle, plus all things DFS. But first, Eric, as always, plenty of news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. There's little question what the biggest industry news of the week is. Last Friday morning, with Fanatics' plans to acquire points bets seeming to be moving forward with no complications, a complication arose in the form of DraftKings coming in over the top with its own proposal to acquire points bets U.S. operations for about 30% more than Fanatics was set to pay. Fanatics' offer was for $150 million, But DraftKings showed up with a $195 million offer, all cash, no financing, and PointsBet released a statement that it was, quote, committed to acting in the best interest of shareholders in considering DraftKings' proposal. As we discussed weeks ago, Fanatics' interest in PointsBet was largely about market access, getting Fanatics Sportsbook into numerous states it otherwise would not be able to enter, at least not immediately. DraftKings has no such concerns, and Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin provided a written statement to Sports Handle saying he's, quote, skeptical of the DraftKings proposal and that he thinks it is, quote, just to try to block us. PointsBet's shareholders are still scheduled to vote on the Fanatic's proposal next Friday. Jeff, any guess what's going to happen and any opinion on what DraftKings is up to here? My guess is Fanatics ups their offer a little bit and the mm-hmm. shareholders take it on Friday. At least that's what I want to happen from like a Michael Jackson eating popcorn, you know, gift perspective. <laughs> uh, you know, clearly DraftKings is a little concerned about Fanatics. Uh, I, I think they're clearly trying to delay their entry into the, all these states. I mean, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. I mean, sure, we could talk about the tech and all that. 
But yeah, I mean, come on. This, this is clearly a market access ploy for fanatics, and it's clearly an attempt to block this by DraftKings. Again, my opinion. Um, I'll tell you this much, though. We're not going to have one of those slow news summer Fridays next week, as it turns right. out. Right. <laughs> no, we are not. Uh, that's hadn't even thought about that aspect that, uh, <laughs> damn it, now someone needs to be uh, on duty probably late into the day Friday for a breaking news article. Um, I mean, look, I, I can't read minds at DraftKings, but uh, like, like you, I'm, I'm guessing that Ruben is right here, that DraftKings' main goal is to trip up Fanatics rather than to acquire points bet. I imagine the people at FanDuel must be loving this, watching someone else try to slow down Fanatics without FanDuel having to do anything and, uh, you know, without them having to admit, as DraftKings basically is, that they see Fanatics as a real threat. Um, as someone covering the industry, this gets me kind of excited for what the Fanatics sportsbook era holds. Um you know, I guess to uh, to compare it to wrestling, uh, you know, WWF versus WCW was really fun, but you also had ECW lurking and and occasionally forcing the big boys to make some adjustments. So, you know, after really a decade or so of DraftKings versus FanDuel now, DraftKings versus FanDuel versus Fanatics eh, figures to provide a, a steady stream of maneuvers and drama. And I guess the, uh, the, the then there's the drawback I hadn't thought about of uh, busier Fridays, uh, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I like the wrestling analogy, except until one of them like buys the other, and then you you're so excited about it, and then you get Booker T and uh, <laughs> Buff Bagwell. Yeah, that I mean that was basically the uh, I, I'm I'm sure this is true of a lot of people, maybe uh, you as well, but that I I was uh, that you know I, so I had two main eras as a wrestling fan. One was you know from the mid '80s uh, up yep. through up until I left for college, basically in the early '90s. That was I was you know huge fan all those years, and then like everybody else. Got back into it during the Attitude Era. Maybe slightly before that, I started to uh, come back around. But 97-ish until uh, WWE. Or was it WWE already at that point? I can't remember. But when they remember. bought WCW, right. I lasted about another three months before I was like, boy, this is not working at all. This stopped no. being fun entirely. I think I'm done I watching wrestling for a while. It really is true, man. It really that I, I remember. I remember the first night that like the WWF owned it. They, like it was a Booker T and Buff Bagwell like main event. I'm like, wait a second. This is not. This is this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Um, if, if, if I am permitted to steer this away from wrestling and into uh, <laughs> the topic at hand, um, I'll note that the, so the offer that DK has made at this point is uh, non-binding, uh, which I don't told, I mean, I can infer what that means. I just don't, you know, I don't know all these, uh, business terms exactly. Uh, but you know, that basically they have until next Friday to get a binding offer on the table. Um, and, and if they don't, then probably the points bet shareholders will, uh, you know, take the bird in the hand, I guess. Uh, although, as you said, maybe Fanatics increases its offer between now and then to make the decision easier. And so what's it? It's 150 now. Maybe it's like 170. Um, right. all, all I can think of um, is, uh, you know, putting things in, in succession terms. Uh, Logan Roy telling his kids congratulations on saying the biggest number. Um, <laughs> you know, if DraftKings makes a binding offer for 195 million, I would think the points bet shareholders will simply approve a sale for more money and go that direction. I love the DraftKings C-suite, but they are not serious people. <laughs> there you go. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want them. To, I don't want them to be angry at me. Also, right? No, we're just we're just <laughs> make, we're just trying to make the succession analogy work and throwing success, succession quotes out there. That's all. That's it. Yes. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh, All right, our second story this week may not give us a whole lot to discuss since we touched on it last week, but uh, now it's official. The Rhode Island legislature has legalized online casino. Uh, The state now just needs the governor's signature, and it will become the seventh state to offer legal iCasino, launching March 1st, 2024 at earliest. Uh, There will only be one operator, Bally's, and there are various subplots we can discuss, including online poker and the autoplay feature. Uh, But first, I have to take this opportunity to offer an important correction. Last week, I said my mom was in Rhode Island attending her 50th high school reunion. It was her 60th. Uh, I'm not sure why 50th popped into my head and I said that, but if it was her 50th, that would make her about 67 years old. And since I'm 47 and I have an older brother, it would mean she'd gotten pregnant as a teenager. And uh, I have no idea, Jeff, whether any of these numbers <laughs> were circulating in your head last week or not. But uh, for the record, my mom was not pregnant in her teens, as far as I know. So just wanted to clear that up. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on my math errors or on Rhode Island legalizing iCasino? Eric, you're, you're such a you're such a good little journalist there, couching your mother's probable non-pregnant teenage years with uh, as far as I know. <laughs> you know got to say it. Alleg- she was allegedly not pregnant as a teen. Let's just leave it at that. Right. Um, as for Rhode Island, uh, <laughs> a, ple- a pleasant surprise overall, I'd say, for those following the, the casino wars here, mm-hmm. which have been kind of quiet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as as far as, you know, I casino in America goes, the, as I, I'm still waiting for New York to legalize it, which will then stir other legislators in other states to do the same, which will stir the New York Times to write a series of articles detailing the dangers of I casino, mm-hmm. which will lead to a different set of legislators seeking to rein it all in, <laughs> the circle of life, Hakuna Matata, yada, yada. Right. <laughs> Hakuna Matata, yada, yada. That's uh, in, 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 in the next uh, Lion King sequel, that'll be the song. Um, <laughs> the, so the, the two subplots, which I sort of briefly mentioned uh, in setting that up, uh, that, that do interest me here. Uh, first, autoplay. Um, there was apparently an amendment that was defeated uh, to remove the autoplay feature. Um, this could be a whole separate, longer discussion sometime, but I... Yeah. I I am very much against autoplay. Um, you know, I, I get that in theory it's proposed to the customer as convenience, but to me it, it's more predatory that that we're just dealing the next hand of blackjack or doing the next slot spin without me even having to click a button. I mean, online casino happens fast enough as is. Yeah. I, I think making yeah. it even faster and not giving players that little pause between gambles, uh, I don't like it. I, I think that was an amendment worth considering and uh, – not that I'm looking for them to slow down the process of getting this legalized, but in in that case, I don't know. I kind of like that amendment to to get rid of autoplay. I think in general, I think the iCasino industry needs to rein themselves in before such a time that the legislators start doing it for for them. You know, right. the autoplay feature is one thing. You know, I you know what else I also hate because I've also I've I've accidentally stumbled into this. Like, you know, let's say a game is like twenty cents to a hundred dollars, like per spin. Like the you, when you log in, it might be set at two dollars. You know, like set it at oh. the minimum. Hmm. Set it at the minimum, please, so that yeah, it wouldn't I don't accidentally I, hit the button. I don't think I've ever seen that. I feel like every oh, I've seen online casino game I've seen it, it it is always set at the minimum. I wonder it might be a difference in Pennsylvania as opposed to New Jersey. That might Could be, be. It, Could it, be that that's worth... one of the rules we have here that that it has to start at the minimum. At the yeah, minimum. I don't know. I also think, honestly, I also think that like these, like you know, I, I I think I wrote about it. I don't remember from day to day, but like these, like you know, slots, you know, some of these slots, you could you know gamble to four thousand bucks a spin. Right. That that seems, you know, I don't know. Come on, it seems excessive, right? Especially yeah. when you're doing it in your underpants at three in the morning, you know, in your bedroom, you know. I I don't know. I, I anyway, point my whole point. Much like you know, the sportsbook industry has taken a step back after this series of articles from the New York Times. Why, why wait for it to happen? Like, just be proactive and, like, you know, make some good choices now. Yeah, absolutely. I, you laid it out perfectly what the next several years have in store for us, including the New York <laughs> Times articles against us. Probably don't even really need to podcast about this again at, at any time. It's all just going to play out exactly as you uh, as you outlined there. Um, all right. Uh, no gamble on news segment this month would be complete without news related to NFL players betting on sports. So uh, here goes on that front. 
on Tuesday, the league hosted a conference call with reporters about addressing its sports betting problem, where NFL representatives said they'd already had seminars with 14 teams this offseason about the player gambling rules, with six other teams scheduled for seminars. The league is emphasizing six rules. One, don't bet on the NFL. Two, don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Three, don't have someone bet for you. Four, don't share team quote-unquote inside information. Five, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. Six, don't play daily fantasy football. Plenty of options for where to begin. Uh, Jeff, what stands out to you here? I mean, they all make sense, except that number two is so stupid. You know, like mm-hmm. bet all the Russian table tennis you want while you stop at red lights on your way to the stadium on Sunday morning. Yeah, but once you say hello to Harold at the gate to the player's parking lot, you must cease betting on Russian table tennis. You know, right. I, I don't understand why this rule is play, is there. I guess there's a reason, but it doesn't make any sense. And it right. just it just begs, as we've already seen with Jameson Williams and others, it just begs for, like, problems. You know, it's like it's literally it's like asking for problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I don't think that's the only one of these that's a little bit uh, nebulous and problematic. That's the most obvious one, I guess that. But um, like, here's uh, an example of a nebulous rule among these. Don't share inside information on the one hand. On the one hand, duh. Right. Right, Uh, right. But on the other hand, uh, I'm an NFL player. I'm at practice. My teammate is on his way back from an injury and a reporter asked me, how's Johnny's knee coming along? If I say he's getting there, but he's not hundred percent yet. Is that inside information? Right. You know, right, right. I mean, uh, right. so yeah, a lot of these that, that, you know, don't have someone bet for you. Uh, not that there's anything nebulous about that one, but that's one that you can say that all you want. As long as you have all these other rules that limit players from doing their own betting, having someone bet for you is what they're going to do, whether you tell them to or not. I, I mean, I get that the NFL needs to spell that out, but I don't I don't know that that one's getting anywhere. But yeah, certainly the, the location-specific stuff is is the biggest problem here, you know, especially the, where it, you know, while traveling for a road game, for a lot of these players, that's their opportunity because right. like, you know, I'm a Cowboys player. Uh, so I live in Texas. There's no legal sports betting in my home state. And we take a trip to the East coast to play the giants. This is where I'm, I'm going to want to do a little sports betting. And that, uh, you right. know, I can't do it from the hotel. I can't do it in a team vehicle. I can't do it at the stadium. But if I leave my hotel and walk across the street to Starbucks, now I can place an NBA bet. It, it all just creates so much potential confusion. And, uh, yeah, I think the NFL is foolish to continue to have rules about the where of sports betting. Um, you know, I certainly don't think that the rules should be no betting on any sports period while you're employed by the league, but at least that would be less confusing. Um, and, and that's kind of what they're doing with retail betting anyway, this don't enter a sports book right. during NFL season. I don't support the league taking away basic freedoms for the players, like, you know, betting on a baseball game that they have absolutely nothing to do with. But I, I, I think the league is to blame for a lot of the rules violations because the rules are so strange and in some cases a bit nebulous. I don't know. My my, my modest proposal, capital M, capital P, from yes. years ago, is, I, is just for all the leagues to get together and create like their own like little clearinghouse for legal bets, right? So if you're if you are a athlete, professional athlete who wants to place a bet, you have to you're going to register with this clearinghouse, and like you are turning over your information to them basically. That way, like every you know, then that that way we know. I just I don't know. Yeah, don't know. that's my not, that's my modest proposal. Yeah, not going to happen. Right, and 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 it's also not going to work in that they players are still going to do a lot of their betting through other people placing their bets for them. If, if right. the league, if the leagues are approving and watching every bet, all the more reason that like, Oh, that's no fun. I'm going to, I want to do it on my own on the side. So that's going to keep going on. And it's kind of going to be to some extent impossible to police, except when right. the players are really stupid about it. But yeah, I don't know. Just as far as, as far as the rules that the league is presenting, um, too many inconsistencies, too many loopholes, too many ways to violate rules without quite being sure if what you're doing is against the rules. Um, I, I would like to see them say absolutely zero tolerance for betting on NFL games, but otherwise it's your money. Do what you want with it. Makes sense to me. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. 
We now welcome to the podcast one of our favorite guests, and we have the statistical data to back up that subjective statement, as this is his record-setting eighth Gamble On interview appearance. He is the Senior Vice President of the Righto Grinders Network, Dan Bach. Dan, welcome back. How does it feel to be undisputed champ once again, moving out of a tie with Adam Small? Uh, it's always great when you can beat Adam Small in anything, especially podcast appearances on you know sites that he helped uh, create. So yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be here. I love talking, you know, sports betting, fantasy, and you know, just the business side of what we do here because. It's always interesting. It's always evolving. And, uh, and you guys do a great job covering it. So happy to, to be here with you. Thanks, Dan. Well, I, I, I want to start by getting your take on a topic Jeff and I were discussing in the news segment. DraftKings swooping in with an offer for points bet, potentially buying them out from under Fanatics, which seemed to have its own deal in place. We all know why Fanatics would want points bet, uh, as it gives them immediate market access in a lot of states. It's less obvious why DraftKings would want points bet. What's your read on this? Do you view it as a as a serious offer, or is there some ulterior motive? Do you think? Um, I think it's both of those things. I mean, I think that the uh, the offer is serious, and you know, I think the motive is very simple. And that's probably to, you know, stop fanatics from being able to get market access as quickly as they were going to be able to do through this acquisition. So DraftKings has always, you know, been a very shrewd and smart business. And if anything, I don't know if they're sitting here hoping that this deal goes through as much as, well, you know, if fanatics does get this, they're going to have to pay a little bit more money than they were uh, initially, because I think we all kind of agreed that we thought that price tag felt a little bit low for Fanatics um, in, in acquiring that sort of access and even some infrastructure um, on the back end from points bet. And I, I'm sure DraftKings thought the same thing and said, hey, well, we could put an offer. Worst case scenario, yes, it's a lot of money. It's a cash burn. You know, there are some marketing, you know, uh, contracts that they have to fulfill but DraftKings is going to spend on marketing anyway. So some of that money was going to be spent. Now it probably would have to be spent with NBC. But at the end of the day, limiting you know a potential competitor uh, doesn't surprise me one bit that they did that. So, so I guess if you're fanatics, you're kind of taking this as a compliment of sorts. That if there's if there's like a psychological warfare element to the sportsbook wars, this is. DraftKings admitting that they feel kind of threatened by fanatics. Would you would you interpret it that way? Hundred percent. And I think that Michael Rubin coming out and saying is saying that was so smart because it absolutely gives a lot of confidence to his team that like, hey, we are a player. We might not be able to, may only be in three states and in beta, but we already have the second biggest operator in the sports betting world today trying to block us from moving forward. So clearly they must be looking at uh, us as a, as a leg legitimate com contender to uh, take market share. And I think that speaks volumes to, you know, what fanatics is bringing to the table, maybe less so in product. I mean, I was able to beta test it and it was fine. There was nothing bad about it. There was nothing overly innovative about it that I was like, man, I've never seen this before, but we all know that they just have a massive massive list of customers that they can market to. And uh, and I think that DraftKings recognized that, that it's not going to take them as long or probably be as expensive to scale as a lot of other businesses. The hardest part to scale is going to be that market access. And that's the one thing that they could kind of swoop in and block. So uh, absolutely. I think I think Ruben was, was smart to say what he did. And, and whether it's true or not, it remains to be seen, but at least you know, somebody who's working on that product and in that company, you, you kind of are sticking your chest out a little bit and saying, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we are the real deal here. And not that they had doubts before, but this certainly kind of assures it. You know, Dan, you, you've been in the DFS streets since uh, they were dirt roads. Um, <laughs> how, how has the industry changed from your perspective, uh, particularly, particularly, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip that word. How has the industry changed, Dan, around who is engaging with the product? And I guess even more importantly, how they're engaging with the product. Yeah, it's a great question, Jeff. And it's something that as somebody who runs a content business or multiple content businesses for fantasy sports, it's something that I'm digging in head first on because 
I think we're seeing a seismic shift in terms of what daily fantasy really is. And I want to be very clear with this, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, standard salary cap, DFS is never going away in my eyes. I think there's just so much appeal around the idea of being able to uh, put in an entry for $20 and win a million. Uh, that's something that really is unlikely to happen and rarely happens in sports betting. And I do think people do love the peer-to-peer strategy you get in DFS. But numbers also don't lie. And one thing that I've dug in and did some research for an FSGA uh, a panel I was on just a couple of weeks ago was the the couple of states out there that actually track the uh, the data around, you know, entry fees and taxable revenue. And I was absolutely stunned at the numbers that I saw. So I'm going to share these with you here. Through the first three months, this is in Michigan, which bear in mind is a, a state that does have online sports betting. Over the first three months of this year, if you look three months, January, February, uh, March in 2023, compared to 2022, FanDuel is down 43% in taxable revenue for fantasy sports. DraftKings is down 19% and prize picks is up. You're not going to believe this, but 539% year over year. And the taxable revenue that they have on their, on their platform was 4.6 million to DraftKings 1.4 million. And that was absolutely eye-opening numbers. Now this was somewhat, I felt skewed because this was taxable revenue. This is saying, you know, the amount of money that we're making. I think that prize picks shouldn't surprise anybody that they're going to be more profitable than, say, uh, you know, taking 15% rake on an entry like DraftKings or FanDuel might. So I went to Arizona. In Arizona, they actually have just total entries um, and, uh, you know, total amount of entries. And just for context, we'll just look at March of 2023. They did $4.8 million in entries, prize picks did, where DraftKings had $1.69 million in entries. So that shows you how many people are moving to this brand of fantasy around Pickums. And it is eye opening to me. And this momentum is the real deal. And I think we're seeing less people play salary cap, more people move into this brand of fantasy. And, you know, this is something that if you told me years ago, guys, that FanDuel and DraftKings would not be the number one daily fantasy business in the U.S., uh, I'd say get the heck out of here. There's no chance that, that there would be a competitor that would overtake them. But based on a couple of states' data that I'm looking at, it looks like it's already happened. And it's happening by a wide, wide margin, which is uh, very eye-opening. It's a little surprising to me, considering that in both those states that you mentioned, Michigan and Arizona, they have legal sports betting. So, you know, and like the, the differences between the prize picks and the underdogs of the world, and their pick'em games are, you know, it's a matter of degrees, just doing a regular parlay. But people don't, they, they prefer maybe the ease, maybe now that I'm talking out loud, the ease of use of those contests probably is a, is a big draw. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I also think the the other side of this is, like you mentioned, these are sportsbook states. That's why we have the data, because they do regulate fantasy as well, and they need to report these numbers. But what do we think is happening in California and Florida and Texas, right. where there is zero competition? I mean, you can make a, a, a very um, fair argument that, you know, they're more competitive with sports books in some of these other states, but I don't think you definitely can't make that in California, Florida, or Texas. And I am so interested to, to see what that data would bear if we had it. We're not, we don't have it, but I imagine that the trend might be even greater than we see. Um, and I think it's, I think you nailed it. I think it just boils down to the ease of use and the fact that, you know, I love daily fantasy. I think it is. I love the salary cap game about it. But I, I would be lying to you today if I said that um, I play as much as I used to. And I don't, mainly because it's a more difficult, time-consuming game. And I just don't have the time to do it. And I think that a lot more people, a lot more attention spans are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think that's what made DFS great in the early days. But I also feel like 
it's kind of holding it back here today as opposed to making a lineup, you know, making sure everybody's playing, making sure there's no injuries um, versus legitimately going, you know, over and under a fantasy points prediction. So I think the simplicity of it is really where this kind of evolution is, is or the result of that evolution. You know, I'm I'm a little bit the opposite of you in that I'm playing more and more DFS. Um, everyone finds the following little joke funny, except one person. Uh, I'm one divorce away from do- doing it full time. Um, do you do you think that the rise of Sims and now the some companies doing the Sims that are basically simming the Sims? Um, do you think that's going to be a problem, like for the casual DFS player? Like, do you, is there fear in your heart that DFS might be? I, and I hesitate to even use the word, but solved uh, as we as, as time marches on here. Absolutely not. Um, good, good. I, I think that <laughs> I, I think we are very, very far from it. I think that there's obviously a, a ton of tools that are built and and have been built and will be built that are going to make life easier for players and and give them competitive edges. And that's what peer versus peer, you know, fantasy. It, you know, that, that's what you run into. You know, when I'm playing you, if I've got something that's going to give me an edge, advantage me. Um, so I, I think it's going to be harder to win without using those things. But the appeal, again, like I, I opened up this whole conversation about is being able to do a low cost entry and win a lot of money and give you a great sweat over the course of an entire day is the one thing that is really going to never change, I think, with salary cap DFS. But if you, you're talking about it being a solved game, absolutely impossible. But we've seen this for since the beginning of DFS. You know, the, the best players, you know, they're the winningest players. But that also changes over time. If you look back, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, a lot of those players who were the top players in the industry aren't even playing any longer. So, um, you know, uh, there's always going to be, you know, corrections and improvements and tools. Uh, But at the end of the day, I still think it's a tremendous game. And it's, it's, it's certainly a, a business that I love being in. It's, it, it brings out the most competition and that's what I love. I love competing. I think you do too as well, Jeff, you know, it's not, you know, me versus a sports book, it's me versus you. Am I smarter than you? And that aspect of, of DFS is not going away. And I absolutely love it. It's fat. It is fascinating. Like, and I'm sure I know I'm not alone in this. When I win a tournament, which I've done a few times, right. I'm, I'm not saying to myself, Oh yeah, I just won $4,000. Oh yeah. I just won $10,000. I'm saying to myself, Oh yeah. I beat everybody else. You know, like the money obviously is great. But it's the, the 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 knowledge that I was right and eleven thousand people were wrong. That's what makes me happy. It makes you happy that you get a really good. I mean, the sweat experience of it is great too. Whether or not you're going to hold on at the end, now it might you know give you some heart palpitations, and your doctor might not tell you that's that's something you should continue to deal with and do. But at the end of the day, it is uh, you know it's a part of the experience of this is is adding entertainment to uh, to watching sports and. You know, I'm there. It's funny because there's a lot of people out there. I've talked to more and more of them who don't even watch the games. They just build the lineups. I never, and I say I to know. myself, like, I know you do. And I, 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 I think you're crazy. I <laughs> love watching the games. I love sports. Now, admittedly, you don't need to watch them to be good at it. But I still think you're foolish if you don't think it, it enhances the viewing uh, enjoyment. At least it does. For me, it does. Knowing- but it just, the problem is that, like, I, I, I have to. You know, I, 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 my kids are getting old now, but I remember the days of, of you know, giving a bath with one hand and building, you know, changing my NBA lines with the other. And I was just like, when seven o'clock hits, I got to be like, all right, you know, I, I got to put this down. But uh, my favorite part of the sweat is when I fall asleep before it's all over, then I wake up at three in the morning, and take a leak and I go to the bathroom and I'm looking to see how I did. It, it's, it's a 24 hour game. Yeah, every now and then the, the sweat and the sleep is good. It's uh, you wake up in the morning and you hope to have that, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel, it says, you won $3,000. Congrats. You know, and it's never good when you get the, you won $5.24, you know, after you put in like $700 in entries. Like those don't feel good. Those but, don't feel good. Um, right. No, they don't. <laughs> 
All right. Last topic for you here, uh, Dan, as we do have to, uh, you know, keep it appealing to the short attention span listeners. Uh, so uh, the, the last topic we want to cover, uh, you know, Jeff and I have had plenty of opportunity to make our opinions known on the NFL's betting rules. We think it's ridiculous to not be allowed to gamble in team facilities on team buses, et cetera. These rules just create confusion. It should be a simple you can't bet on NFL games or players. Anything else is up to you. Are you with us or do you have a different position? And also, are, are these rules themselves largely to blame for all these quote unquote NFL betting scandals? Yeah, I mean, I do think that the NFL has to be somewhat reasonable. I mean, I think in a in a ideal world, they could just say, hey, no, no gambling uh, on sports while you're a member of the league. That's a very clear delineation there. You can't bet on college. You can't bet on, you can't bet on anything. On a, on a sports book um, while you're a player. I don't think they're going to go to that extreme. But this idea of like, oh, it's okay to bet on stuff, but you can't bet on it in the parking lot. But if you're in your own home, it's okay. Like that aspect of it is is very, very silly. But I do think this is a super serious issue and something that the NFL needs to be very careful with. And I think the sports books need to be very careful with because – you know, we're a, a really bad situation away from everything that we're excited about in sports betting to suddenly be looked at and said, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe we do need more restrictions. And I don't think it's imminent. Um, but, you know, uh, the fact that we've had so much um, activity around this with players who are betting and it's really only been in a couple of these States for a few years, it's worrisome to me when this scales even larger, how more often is this going to happen? Is this, you know, yeah. Every professional player, apparently when they register for a sports book, they let the, the teams know, does that happen on the college level? I mean, I, I have to imagine that, that this could be way more widespread of an issue on with college athletes than we even know about. And I think there's a real slippery slope here because the, you know, I am obviously in favor of sports betting. Um, it's, you know, something that I think people who are adults should have the right to do. But I've also seen this go sideways really, really quick. Even in my own industry of daily fantasy, when you had the whole stuff around Ethan Gate, as they like to call it, with uh, uh, DraftKings and then New York shutting down DFS and other states following. It doesn't take long for somebody who has an agenda to want to move something forward. And if there's enough bad press around it, um, whether it's true or not, uh, things can spiral quickly. So I think it's very important that, uh, you know, these you know, operators, these teams, these colleges, you know, they are very, very clear up front and maybe have harsher expectations of their players than seem realistic just because um, I think that there's just so many bad things that can be happening if at any point in time we find that games are being compromised. And I don't feel like this is a likely scenario to play out, but it really only has to happen once or twice. And if it happens within periods of time that are close to each other, uh, that's when people who have power start making decisions that is going to hurt everybody who is in this industry. So uh, got to be on top of it and be very transparent. And, you know, I think being in a regulated market, we're seeing the advantages of this, that, you know, these things come to light much faster than if uh, it was, if it was an offshore market where nobody is, is, is tracking this stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, we just need this not to happen. Okay, because if it continues to, uh, I think it could spell trouble down the line for everybody. And I know nobody wants that. Yeah, the the Ethan Gate parallel is is an interesting one because it's it's about perception as much as anything. How does the public right. perceive it, and and whether that comes back to haunt all involved? So uh, yeah, that's uh, an an interesting parallel to to point out there. And I just love that there's going to be somebody who's listening to the show who has no idea what Ethan Gate is and is going to go to Google. And Googling Ethan Gate DraftKings, and they can figure it out themselves. And by it's the not, way, I it's love not Ethan. a gate. It's not a gate. It was. It should never been. It's it should not never a gate? Be gated. It should never be gated. Everything is a gate, Jeff. It should never been a gate. I know. <laughs> never been a gate. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Hey, anytime, guys. Really enjoy it. Uh, thanks for having me. Two men. Two men. Ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? 
It's time to check in on the Gamble On Bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll and our little... I, I, I don't know if we really want to. <laughs> but it's not a matter of want. It's okay. need. It's requirement. It's... Uh... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Although I guess I, I did kind of make the rules for what's required. I could just change the rules on the fly. I'm going to consult with uh, some folks from the NFL and figure out six guidelines to what we should, should do with regard to bankroll reporting. Um, Good idea. For the moment, until those rules get overturned, here's what happened. Uh, our little mini hot streak came to an end last week mm-hmm, uh, and, mm-hmm. and did so fairly definitively. Uh, we got <laughs> our asses kicked, in short. Uh, your preseason bet on the Stars to win the USFL title. They didn't make the playoffs. We lost $100. Uh, my U.S. Open golf bets failed. I had $40 on Hovland to win outright, and I had a four-leg top 40 parlay that I stole from Derek Farnsworth. Fowler, Finau, and Smith all did finish top 40, but the bet was dead by Friday anyway because Adam Scott missed the cut, so that cost us another $40. Your four-team CFL-USFL parlay lost. I think, am I right, that the CFL teams won, but the USFL teams didn't? Is that how that one sure. worked out? Sure, Something sure, like that's that. fine. Either way, you I'll didn't have a chance that. to hedge. Uh, we lost $100 <laughs> on that. Uh, your various home run prop bets on Ozuna and Taylor did not win. Uh, we lost $120 on those. My bet on the A's to beat the Rays last Thursday, close but no cigar. They lost 4-3. Uh, we lost $100 on that. So complete disaster. Oh, for everything uh, except uh, we got a little back with my boxing bet. I had Zoo Acampo under eight and a half rounds. Zoo scored the knockout in one minute and 17 seconds. Too bad we couldn't do some sort of uh, points betting style bet there where margin of victory matters. Uh, but it did win us $100 for the week. We lost $410. We're now down by 2683. We have 1167 on Holden Futures bets. And that leaves us with 6150 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and here's a fun NFL futures bet that I'm stealing from another podcast. I can't for the life of me remember who. I listen to too many sports betting podcasts, (laughs) but um, FanDuel has a fun market on both the last undefeated team and the last winless team in the league. And the Vegas Raiders are plus 1,800 to be the last team to win a game. There's a very strong chance the Raiders are absolutely awful this year. Uh, They signed Garoppolo to make them competitive. Nobody knows if or when he'll be ready to play. Number two on the QB depth chart is Brian Hoyer, and it's gotten so bad Carson Wentz's name is floating out there. If you are of the belief that the Raiders will be a terrible team, then there isn't a single game on their schedule early on in which you'd favor them. A few of them are toss-ups. You you need them to lose a couple of early toss-ups, and then this bet has a great chance. Um, Obviously, they're big dogs in their division against the Chiefs twice and the Chargers twice. Part of what you need here is for the Broncos to be better than they were last year now under Sean Payton. So the Raiders open at Denver. The bet could die in week one. But after that, at Buffalo, that's a loss. Home against Pittsburgh, toss-up-ish. At Chargers, loss. I won't go through the whole schedule, but if the Raiders don't have Garoppolo and stink as bad as I'm thinking they may stink, they could very easily get to 0-8 and win us this bet. It's 18-1, to so let's bet $50 to win 900. I like it. Eric, would you believe it if I told you that DraftKings has best picture odds up already? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I do believe it. Wow, June, huh? and they're already doing that. Yep. Uh, of course, I have a few bets to make. Um, okay. So here, to start off, we're going to sprinkle 25 bucks to win at plus 5,000 wow. on Saltburn. Do not ask me any questions about Saltburn. <laughs> All I know is that it's on every top 10, you know, predicted Oscar list that I've found. So at plus 5,000, we're taking it. <laughs> Do we know if the movie is even out yet, or is this a, just a not movie a, that's coming? Not you don't know? a freaking clue. Is it one word or two? Salt one. Turn. Okay. I'm just, <laughs> there I'm there just, you go. It should not be plus 5,000. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So, so that much I know. So we're going to pay 25 there. Then we're going to do uh, 50 bucks at plus 900 on Maestro. That's the Leonard Bernstein biopic okay. with Bradley Cooper. Okay. We're going to put another 50 bucks at plus 900 on Past Lives, which to me, I, don't, I saw the trailer. It, it almost feels like everything everywhere meets Coda. So mm. I, I, there's, something, there's something about it that I like. Okay. Uh, so another 50 bucks there. Then we're going to cover all this. <laughs> wow. With a $50 bet on Killers of the Flower Moon, the Scorsese 
DiCaprio De Niro movie. Oh, right. Which is the favorite at plus 350. Uh, so we'll put 50 bucks there. That'll win us 225. So if, if that wins, we cover everything plus win a few bucks. Um, you know, I think Past Lives is our winner. I, you know, put another 25 bucks on Past Lives while I'm sitting here. So we're going up to 75. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like I, Past Lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that way, yeah, that, we won't win anything if Flowers Moon wins, if my math is right. But uh, it doesn't matter. I, I, yeah, that Past Lives <laughs> is going to be is going to be a favorite at some point. That's my prediction. So we're, wow. we're getting right. we're, we're, we're going to get closing line value here. All right, you're really uh, you're covering covering a lot of I, the options here. If if some movie not among these four wins Best Picture, we're uh, well, oh no, Eric. Let me let me be perfectly clear. There will be probably at least another fifteen to twenty Best Picture bets before this is all over. <laughs> and we're going to be guaranteed to lose by the time the no, uh, the Oscars I, roll I, around, huh? Dude, I've been betting Oscars three straight years. Three straight years, I have a massive ROI doing okay. doing exactly this, doing, all right. doing it exactly this way. So now that I've said it. I'm fucked, but this will right, be the year that breaks the streak. But uh, right. OK, <laughs> I'll, uh, I feel more knowledgeable already just about what movies are coming uh, coming <laughs> this year. I had heard of Killers of the Flower Moon. Other words, otherwise hadn't heard of any of these. So that's going to be a good one, man. Yeah. I read the book. That, that's, yeah. that's a wild story. All right. You'll you'll not be surprised to know that I did not read the book. That's I know. Uh, I have two boxing bets this week, uh, both on Saturday's Showtime card from Minneapolis. Uh, in the main event, I like Carlos Adamas to beat Julian Williams. I like him to win by stoppage, and most likely I think he does so in the second half of the fight. So Adamas by KOTKO or DQ in rounds 7 to 12 pays plus 150. Let's do 50 bucks to win 75 on that. And on the undercard, um, excellent junior bantamweight fight, Fernando Martinez versus Jade Bornea. Looks close to a toss-up to me. The books have Martinez way too big a favorite in my view i've watched bornea he should be close to 50 50 here maybe plus 200 or something i could see but he's as high as plus 310 at DraftKings. very live at that price so let's do another 50 dollar bet uh this one to win 155 all right how about a little wnba action tonight uh courtney williams of the chicago sky her rebound number is at 5.5 on fanduel uh, I'm going to bet 100, 113 to win 100 and minus 113 odds here. Mm-hmm. She's been under that number for the last five games. Uh, one of the one of their forwards, uh, Birch, I believe her last name is, is back. I don't know. I, I think this number is just wrong. I think it's a bad line. Okay. Under five and a half rebounds for Courtney Williams. Yep. Okay. And I um, never bet unders. I, t- I was already like starting to jot down in my notes over five and a half rebounds as you were saying it. You threw me for a little bit of a loop there with the under, but uh, so okay. You know, I'm, how much, you know how much I like it if I'm betting right. an under. <laughs> and listen, the I, I it's it's um, not a fun sweat when you are watching a game betting the under. I think we're don't safe. worry, I won't be watching. I, think, the game. I was gonna say I think we're <laughs> safe not to watch this one. Just check the box score afterwards. Yeah. So uh, my last bets this week are on some Thursday baseball. Um, I have uh, two plus money bets that I like here. First, whenever I see a baseball money line dog over plus 300, I'm interested. You know, baseball, like hockey, is one of those sports where no team is ever really under 25% likely to win in any given single game. We can get the crappy Royals against the outstanding Rays at plus 320 today at FanDuel. And I get why the line is this wide. The Rays have McClanahan on the mound. But, you know, Tampa has lost three of its last four. Uh, we nearly picked them off against the A's last week. I'm going to try again. It's it's one game. Anything can happen. 50 bucks to win 160 on the Royals. My second bet, uh, Kyle Schwarber, for whatever reason, is always unstoppable in June. Uh, I'm finding him as high as plus 265 to hit a homer today against the Braves. Atlanta's starter, Bryce Elder, is a righty who gives up homers to lefties far more frequently than righties. Schwarber didn't homer in his previous game, so he's due. Uh, So let's go uh, $40 to win 106 on a Schwarb's home run this afternoon. And just for you, Jeff, let's parlay these two Ah, semi-long shots together. Royals to win and Schwarber to homer pays plus 1433 at FanDuel. Let's toss out another $15 to win 215. Love it. Love it. Uh, I got some numbers. <laughs> you're you're for a bad you influence on me, Jeff. I am. I agree. You're a bad it's, seed. Uh, well, it's only it's but it's fictional, so it's fine. Right. Uh all right. Listen, I got numbers for you. Here here's okay. I'm gonna give you some numbers. Here okay. they are. Four, five, six, seven, twelve, twelve. I'll repeat them. Four, five, six, seven. 
Uh-huh. 12, 12. Uh-huh. Those are the number of strikeouts in his last number of starts for Blake Snell. Mm. Feels like the man might be finding his groove. Mm. Uh, he is notoriously streaky. Uh, he's going up against the Giants in San Francisco today. The Giants are striking out at over 25% clip against lefties this year. Mm. We're laddering this one, baby. We're going to start Ooh. at over 7.5 at plus 124. And we're going to hit every number all the way up to over 11.5. Uh, so what do we have here? So here, you're going to want to jot this down. Yes, Our yes. five bets are going to be for 25, 15, 10, 10, and 10. 25, 15, 10, 10, and 10. Okay. Our odds are plus 124, mm-hmm. plus 240, mm-hmm. plus 450. Ooh, getting exciting. Yes. Plus 870. Uh-huh. Plus 1400. Wow. And so, so that's over 11.5 on the last one or over 10.5? Yeah. Over 11.5. Over 11.5. Yeah. All so right. I think. So it's seventy bucks total. I think we win like four fifty. I don't even know what the number is, but that that that's the, we're we're laddering Snell today. We're gonna hope that he continues. Now, obviously, it's Blake Snell. He could be out of the game in two thirds of an inning, but I don't know. The man seems like he, you know he, he's streaky and he seems he's on a streak. So we're we're gonna ride it. At worst case scenario, if he does go under seven and a half, it's eighty dollars total 70, that you yeah. rest. Is that, I'm, no, you're right. 70. 70. Uh, my math is wrong 70. again. Like yeah. like my like my mother's high school reunion number. Uh, right. I'm, I'm I'm off by a factor of 10. And your mother is still allegedly not pregnant. <laughs> allegedly did not get pregnant as a teenager. As far as I know, she was not shipped off to uh, some somewhere out of state for a few months to uh, have a baby <laughs> and give it up for adoption, as was uh, the practice in those days. Wow, took a dark turn here at the end, but it uh, did. It sure did. It sure did. You never know what you're going to get with Gamble Han. You don't. You don't. Why why don't we wrap it up, Eric? Okay, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Dan Bach. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore Bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. You know, Eric, over the weekend, uh, there was a big to-do about an offshore book, which I'll remain unnamed, offering odds on the Special Olympics, which is happening as we speak in Berlin. Uh, Many people I respect tremendously in the gambling world took to Twitter, uh, and they were upset in all manner of ways. Uh, And I get it. You know, at first blush, this seems terrible, you know, betting on the Special Olympics. But you know what, Eric? It is not terrible. Uh, And I say this as a parent of a special needs kid. All I want, all every special needs parent that I've ever met wants, is the world to treat our kids with the same dignity and respect offered to everyone else. Now, obviously, not everyone gets dignity and respect, but you get the idea. Uh, You know, from schools to the job market to everything in between, you know, you want to talk equality, you want to talk equity, talk to a special needs parent. So, yeah, if we can bet on the regular Olympics without feeling icky about it, then there's no reason we can't bet on the special Olympics. They are athletes all the same. And just because they have autism or an intellectual disability or a physical issue doesn't make them any less of an athlete. So, yeah, morally, ethically speaking, fire away on those bets should a legal book here in the States ever decide to offer odds. I've got no issue with it. And I promise you, most special needs parents, in fact, I almost would say 99% of special needs parents would feel the same exact way. One caveat to all this. If you ever see my daughter on an odds board, do not bet on her. (laughs) I mean, she literally shuts her eyes when a ball is thrown her way. Other than that, though, gamble on.